It's a film review Monday. Looking back at the Utah State win for BYU. What did I take away after re-watching that game? We'll get to that. We'll also talk about where BYU checks in the national rankings and wrap up the weekend in all other BYU sports. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. I always appreciate you guys checking out the show. Our title sponsor today is our friend is over at LinkedIn. We'd like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs is helping you find the candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash Locked On College. Terms and conditions apply. Once again, thank you for joining us on today's show just a a heads up for you guys that we are your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars very proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network and by way of introduction for some of you maybe checking us out for the very first time my name is Jake I work for the KSL Sports Zone in Salt Lake City Utah as the executive producer of DJ and PK in the morning but more importantly I moonlight over here as your host talking all things BYU I've been covering the Cougars for 12 years now professionally and obviously been watching and consuming BYU content much longer than that. Sport my Mariners cap today. Uh, they have snapped the longest professional uh, sports uh, playoff drought 2001 the last time the Mariners were in the playoffs I was a lowly ninth grader back in the day and now I am a 35 year old dad of two and it took that long uh, 21 years for the Mariners to return to the playoffs you better believe I'm going to celebrate this by sporting my uh, Navy and Teal on today's show all right let's dive in and actually talk some BYU football Cougars get the win over Utah State 38 to 26 by virtue of that as well as a ton of chaos around BYU 10 top 25 teams lost games over the weekend. So BYU, obviously, you win your games, you're going to move up in that circumstance. And the Cougars moved up to number 16 in both the coaches. As more, The more important one, in my opinion, is the AP poll. I think it's the more valid of the two, but... BYU is, the, I guess, quote-unquote consensus number 16 team in the country for this week. Uh, obviously a good spot for BYU to be in as they head now to Las Vegas to take on Notre Dame. Our friends over at betonline.ag who will tell you a little bit later on, tell you about a little bit later on in today's show, have installed the Fighting Irish actually as a two-and-a-half point favorite over BYU in the neutral side affair. So I think the uh, Fighting Irish just a little bit better than BYU. I actually saw another line out there from another sportsbook had Notre Dame as high as a nine-and-a-half point favorite in this game. And I'm just wondering where that came from. I think it's a much closer game than that. I'm not all that surprised that BYU is an underdog in this matchup. And we'll have to see how it shakes out. But I want to, before we look forward in earnest, I want to look back for a minute. These are what we call Film Review Mondays here on the podcast. Looking back at what I took away after re-watching BYU's win over Utah State. Pull up my... Uh, little notes app that I write everything down on. And the way I went about things this week, by the way, and it might be the format I go with it forward, uh, moving forward when it comes to these film review monies, is I put it into the, the good, the bad, and the ugly in terms of uh, what I took away from my film review. So let's start off uh, with the good. Let's start off with the good here. Uh, number one, it was a pass breakup like bonanza for BYU in this game. Obviously facing a first-time starting quarterback in Cooper Lagasse, speaking of BYU's defense, had I, I, I totaled eight pass breakups in this game. 
Very, very nice day for BYU's defensive backs and defensive linemen to pad their stats. They also had the two interceptions, one of which was a pick six to Max Tooley. The other one, Ben Bywater, late in the game, getting a nice interception himself. Uh, both of those guys now have two interceptions on the season. Tooley, to his credit, both of those, he is housed uh, for pick sixes on both of his interceptions. But very, very nice day, I thought, for BYU in that regard. Now, other notes uh, to take it aware of. I actually really like the, the return game in this game for the most part. Hobbs Nyberg is really starting to settle into that role as both the primary kick and punt returner. Uh, the punt return game, not much to speak of in this one, but as a kick returner, I thought he was very judicious about bringing kicks out, and when he did, actually got pretty good returns on them. And there was one that was less than spectacular, but by and large, I thought it was a pretty good day for him on that front. Uh, another thing, John Nelson, BYU's best defensive lineman? I'd say you're hard-pressed to prove to me otherwise. He was fantastic in this game. He actually got the deflection that led to Max Tooley's pick six, had another big sack. I think they'd actually scored it as a tackle for loss later in the game. Just a general nuisance all over the field, and what a find he has been out of Salem Hills High School. Very lightly recruited guy out of Salem Hills uh, down there in the Payson area. I guess Salem, Utah, technically if you know your geography, but very, very solid pickup for BYU, and he's developing into, I really think, one of BYU's best, if not their best, defensive linemen. It's really good to see. Now, on the back end of BYU's defense, I think we have established that Micah Harper and Taylor Alfrey with uh, Malik Moore sidelined for however long he is sidelined for with that broken hand. Micah Harper and... Uh, Taylor and Alfred need to be your starting safeties. They are the best safeties BYU's got back there. And the best part is they're both very, very young. These are guys that are going to grow and be part of the defense for years to come for BYU going into the Big 12. That's the positive out of that. I also thought Ethan Slade later in this game started to make an impression as well. Maybe not as solid as the other two, but he was very, very uh, savvy in his his savvy in his time out there. Excuse me. I really liked what I saw from him. A lot, a lot of talk out there about BYU's wide receiving core being the depth, uh, the deepest it's ever been uh, under uh, Kalani Sitake and even going back into BYU football history. Uh, Man, it's the deepest I can probably remember in my recent memory, at least for BYU. This this wide receiving core, not having guys like Puka Nakua and Gunnar Romney on a regular basis. And what have they done? Well, Keanu Hill continues to step up. Cody Epps was fantastic once again in this game. Braden Cosper was very good. And oh, by the way, Chase Roberts, the hero of the Baylor game, did not even play in this game against Utah State. I just listed off six different guys, and they may even go deeper than that. That's the thing about this wide receiving core is they can continue to uh, kind of pluck guys off that roster and throw them out there and they seem to, to produce. That's that's the fun part for these wide receivers is they're getting the ball from a fantastic quarterback in Jaron Hall. By the way, in this uh, to start the second half, Jaron Hall was 7 of 7 passing with two touchdowns on the first two drives out of the locker room for BYU in that second half. The first half, we'll talk about the debacle that that was here in a moment when we get to the bad and the ugly, but thought that Jaron was absolutely lights out and did exactly what he needed to do to, to kind of just jumpstart this BYU offense. They were stuck in many ways in a malaise. And the fact that they only had 19 snaps in the first half, that, that's a debacle in its own right. But in the second half, BYU started taking it to Utah State, really started saying, you know what, if they're going to punch us, we're going to punch back. And they should have punched back probably earlier. Let, let's be let's be honest. Like I, That first half, like I said, I'm going to get to that here in just a minute. But I really, really liked how they came out of the locker room and just said, you know what, enough of this. We're, we're, we're ending this game right now. And they 
took control of it in the third quarter and never relinquished any type of control in that game. Now, the other thing, the defense, they gave up only three points throughout the majority of that second half. The the touchdown that Utah State scored late in this game, that was against BYU's twos and threes. So I count that as garbage time. BYU had won the game. It was decided at that point, and then Utah State decides to keep their ones on the field and go up against twos and threes. Go right on ahead. Brian Cobbs can get that garbage time touchdown, pad his stats, go right on ahead. But I'm not counting that against BYU's defense. Uh, I really thought they, they settled in nicely in the third quarter and obviously uh, finishing things up in that fourth quarter there. And then the final thing I'm talk, I wanted to talk about in the good here is that BYU, I, I felt like a lot of the time with what Wyoming and uh, Utah State, BYU felt like, you know what, we're going to go east-west on these. We're going to try and stretch them out and use our lateral ability. Both Utah State and Wyoming proved that BYU, they were capable of gobbling that up. They were ready for it. When BYU decided to just get north-south, and I'm talking in the second half, especially in the run game, Miles Davis, before he exited with a precautionary injury, according to the broadcast, he was getting north-south. One-step cut, get-up field. Christopher Brooks, also the same thing in the second half of this game. One cut, drive up field, get north and south, get up the field. That is what BYU's offense needs to see more of. There's too much dancing at times from BYU's running backs, especially when they're trying to find a hole. You got to be decisive with this zone blocking scheme. If you're going to run it, and that's what BYU's endeavor to do, they are going to run the zone scheme. That's what their identity is as a run team. They have to have running backs that are decisive. Tyler Algier put on a masterclass at what you're supposed to do in the wide zone uh, scheme. And by the way, he had a fantastic fantastic day for the Atlanta Falcons yesterday. I think 80 some odd yards rushing had another reception or two for 20 yards so over 100 total yards in an NFL contest as a rookie. Yeah. Props to you Tyler Algier and BYU they need to uh, continue to have these guys watch some of that film from Tyler Algier last year and realize okay it's a one step and go type thing. You've got to be able to decipher what's going on almost instantaneously at the snap and then pick a hole, hit it and drive up field. We saw that in the third and fourth quarters of the game against Utah State. Did not see much of it in the first half. Granted, we did not see a lot of BYU's offense, period, in the first half. And we'll get to all that here in just a minute. Let's talk a little bit more about what's going on with the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll get to the bad and the ugly parts of what I took away from this film review momentarily. First, though, a word on our friends over at LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That is why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs Jobs help you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Uh, go to LinkedIn Jobs right now, add your job, and then the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to help spread the word that you are hiring. They feature quick, simple tools like screening questions which make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you would like to interview and to hire. It's why small businesses are rating LinkedIn Jobs number one and delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. So give it a shot, my friends, and this is the perfect time. We're in the final quarter of the fourth quarter of the year. We talk about four quarters in football. Well, this is the fourth quarter for your business. Get the right hires to power you through the end of the year. Get to LinkedIn Jobs. It's helping you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post that job for free. Once again, terms and conditions apply. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys checking out the show, and uh, it's always fun to sit down and talk all things BYU. Now, let's get to the bad and the ugly from this game. Uh, things that were bad for BYU. Avoidable penalties. Early on in this game, Tyler Batty took exception to Waylon Lapuaho uh, kind of sliding into the back of his knee. I think that uh, Tyler thought he was trying to, I guess, injure him in a way, but it didn't seem all that malicious to me, but Tyler responded just not, the way you're not supposed to respond. He shoves his helmet into the ground. Not once, but 
twice, earns a 15-yard penalty. Then Ben Bywater, they have beat, they had Utah State stopped on a drive. Ben Bywater uh, gets the tackle on uh, uh, Cooper Lega, then tosses that shoe. As innocent as it is, it is a point of emphasis that that stuff is no longer allowed. I know that Zach Dog got away with it against Tennessee, but if you remember uh, going back to I think it was the 2019 season, actually later that season uh, in 2019, Florida had a guy who chucked a shoe and actually cost the Gators essentially the game with that shoe toss. You just cannot have that type of stuff. Avoidable penalties. BYU also can't afford to have false starts. Uh, uh, offsides, by the way. Joshua Singh had an offsides call on him when he just burst through the line on was a third and one or something like that and gives an easy first down to Utah State. Stuff like that cannot be continuing to happen for BYU. Kalani Sitaka, Kalani Sitake has talked multiple times in post-game interviews during his weekly press conferences about his guys playing with discipline. There is a lack of it for BYU right now. And we're not talking about young guys. We're talking about guys littered across the roster. Tyler Batty is a captain. Max Two, I think, is, might be an assistant captain, but he's, he's an upperclassman regardless if he's not. These are guys that need to be avoid making these mistakes. Play with some discipline. Play within the rules of the game. Do not cost your team penalty yardage that can hurt you. And that's what happened in this game for BYU. It's a pretty chippy game, I thought, re-watching it. Maybe not as chippy as I thought it was live time. This is a rivalry. Utah State came in pretty desperate. Uh, their coaching staff, it seemed like, was coaching uh, with their lives on the line in, in a certain way. But the thing about this is BYU, uh, Utah State really played on the edge. And I think BYU at times, and this might go back to the in, to the penalty stuff, they allowed themselves to be dragged into the mud is the, is the terminology I, I hear about it. Like Their teams, like Utah State, this is a 1-3 and three ball club. They're on the precipice of having the season completely get away from them a year after winning the Mountain West title. And they really wanted to muck this game up. And that's what they did. And BYU allowed it to get to them, I felt like, in, in, in certain ways. It wasn't completely where uh, BYU was just being stupid, but it was not clean. And that's what Kalani Saga, I'm sure, was not pleased with with his team. It's a rivalry game. We get that. There's emotions running high. It's on the same level as Utah and BYU, but it's still a rivalry game all the same. And BYU needed to clean that up a little bit. Um, other things. The right side of BYU's offensive line remains as unsettled as ever. It needs to be settled. We're at the halfway point of the season this week against uh, Notre Dame. The left side of BYU's offensive line with Clark Barrington and uh, Blake Freeland, it's set. Connor Pay is established as the center, but they keep playing, it seems like, a musical chairs with the right side. We're seeing both Joe Tukuafu and Harris LeChance at right guard. We're seeing Kingsley Suomatii as well as well as Campbell Barrington at right tackle. I, I get that they think that they have eight or nine guys that can play, but you can't just keep moving guys in and out of the lineup and expect continuity along that offensive line. I know that's the goal, to have that be almost seamless, but it appears to me, just from my view, that BYU struggling on that right side of that offensive line. The good news is the left side of the offensive line is as good as it's ever been, and that's going to hold things down for BYU, but the right side, it is a little bit more of the weak side. Uh, other things, why in the world did uh, uh, Miles Davis only get his first carry with under five minutes to go in the second quarter? And I know that BYU barely held the ball in the first quarter. That was actually really, really bad. BYU had the ball in the first quarter for just over a whole minute worth of game time in the first quarter. That was abysmal. Utah State did exactly what they wanted to do is held on to the football. The time of possession battle, bad, 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 bad. You cannot have that for BYU. It's the second, well, actually, no, technically third straight week that BYU's kind of been snowed under in the first half in terms of limited possessions given to their guys. You just can't have that. And you have to start faster. You got to be able to control the line of scrimmage, get that ball. 
back into your possession as soon as possible. Uh, I I don't know why Miles Davis was not RB1. It just seemed like a no-brainer coming off of the week. We're going to play the hot hand. And all of a sudden, Christopher Brooks is back out there on the first snap, and then Lopini Katoa nearly fumbles a ball away. Um, okay, where's Miles Davis? And it took until the, the the back half of the second quarter to get him his first look. He looked very good as the game went on, obviously before exiting and going to the injury tent. It sounded like, according to the broadcast, it was a precautionary deal. We'll see if we get some more information on that this week. Now, the other thing, uh, BYU, they have tried a trick play the last two weeks where uh, it looks like Jaron Hall, he's like kind of getting direction from the sideline. He steps to his left, and then Lopini Katoa steps over to take a direct snap. They've tried it against both Utah State and they also tried to use it against Wyoming the week previous. I am curious what the actual play is and if they'll continue to try and run it because it had false starts on it both times. Are teams uh, ready for it? I don't know, but BYU has gotten uh, a head start on both times they tried to run that play. Uh, I'd like to see them actually get it off the get it get it actually run in a game under legal uh, per, under I guess a legal snap. I guess I don't know how to say that quite right, but it's kind of funny. The last two games you've seen that set up, and then they have gotten a false start both times. Final thing on the bad. Both targeting calls, uh, the one against Utah State, Gervin Hall, as well as the one on Gabe Judy Lally, uh, they're both very tough calls because a number of you mentioned this on our postcast or our Friday edition of the show, saying that what are the guys supposed to do? We need to take into account that the, the, the ball carrier is lowering, lowering their head. And yes, I do agree that that needs to come into the equation, but as the rule is written right now, both of those targeting calls absolutely were the quote-unquote letter of the law. Those guys are going to, they can appeal them all they want, I feel like, for both Gervin Hall and Gabe Judy Lally. I don't think either one are going to win their appeal, and they're going to have to sit out the first half of their upcoming game for Utah State. That's Air Force. For BYU, it's Notre Dame. Not having a guy like Gabe Judy Lally is very tough because he's a very, very good cornerback for BYU, but I just don't see a way that he'll win his appeal. If he wins it, hey, that's gravy, and it's great to have him available for the entirety of the game down there in Las Vegas, but I just don't see it. All right, uh, now for the ugly. A few things here. Ammon Hanneman. Uh, if he cannot uh, tackle better than he has the past two games, he may find himself third string very, very quickly. As the game wore on in this game against Utah State, he was less and less seen on the football field. I don't have an all-22 look, so I was able to completely track how many times he was on the field, but Micah Harper and Taylor Alfrey, as I said in the good, they are BYU's top two safeties with Malik Moore out. Unless Emin Hanneman is going to be better than grabbing the hand of uh, Cooper Legault and then letting go, letting him scamper into the end zone, you can't have that. That was a abysmal on that tackling. That was ugly. You just can't have that. Other things. The defense got completely gassed in this first half. When you have a team run 50-some-odd plays on you in a first half of football, you better believe that defense is gassed. And that's what a lot of BYU fans were upset about. Well, the defense, they just can't get stops. Guys, when they're playing that many snaps in a half, there have been games BYU's played that they've barely faced 50 snaps entire game on defense. They faced that in the first half alone. They were completely tapped out in that first half. Credit to them. They adjusted the scheme in the second half and got better and were able to get off the field a little more on a, on a pretty often basis or a pretty regular basis, I guess is better terminology. But the first half, the struggles in that in that first half, I tapped that on a lot of them playing 50-some-odd snaps. That's just going to gas anybody. And they were going deep into that bench at some points. Like I said, Joshua Singh at one point, who's a third-string defensive tackle, undersized at that, was playing for BYU. There were multiple walk-on players out there on that defensive line for BYU. It's been hit due to injury, I get that, but when you have to go that deep into the roster to get guys onto the field and have fresh bodies, it's just 
shows you how how much BYU was hurting in that first half. Why did BYU onside kick after that first uh, touchdown of the second half? It baffles me to this very moment. I don't get it. I get you're trying to steal a possession, but how in the world do you expect a guy like okay, Ike Larson? Is Utah State's best defensive player. I, I and I know that guys like Byron Vaughns would probably want to shout for that, but Ike Larson is just an absolute ball player, and he was ready for it from the get go. I, I don't get BYU's thought processes there. I, maybe they're trying to steal a possession back, but to do that in that instance, I know you're trying to capture some momentum. But you gave momentum right back to Utah State by doing it. It just it was not a good idea. Um, other things, BYU getting outflanked in the run game. It's happening time and time again. And there's actually a story. I think it's called uh, a website. Excuse me. It's uh, called Slap the Sign. It covers Notre Dame, who are advocating for Notre Dame to run the ball down BYU's throat, and for good reason because BYU's linebackers in this game and the defensive ends as well for BYU in this game against Utah State for the second straight game they are just getting absolutely swallowed up by opposing offensive lines they're taking awful angles they're not keeping their outside leverage and what I mean by that is uh, if those of you watching me on, on YouTube you can see this so I'm, I'm pointing to my nose uh, so when you face a guy if you're a defensive end in particular or you're an outside linebacker who is tasked with holding the edge in a run scheme and that's what Utah State was trying to do that a lot of pulling guards trying to get to the edge well if you're a defensive end in that circumstance you have to keep what they call your outside leverage so if that guy is going to be on so if you're looking at me it's going to be on my left side over here if that's going to happen I've got to keep my outside arm my right arm free as long as I tack my left side that's fine but as long as I can keep moving down the line with my outside arm free that's called keeping outside leverage BYU has been absolutely awful at this, the last two games in particular. Pretty bad about it at Oregon as well. Uh, the tackling obviously killed them in that Oregon game as well, but the leverage. Linebackers, defensive ends for BYU, it's abysmal right now. That is why Utah State was continuing to gash BYU for runs, even in the second half at points, because they just took horrible angles, and I'm saying this doesn't accept anybody. Keenan Peely, Peyton Wilgar, Ben Bywater, Max Tooley even, at linebacker, they all took bad angles at points. At times, their athleticism gets them over the top and they can they can make a play despite taking that awful angle but even the defensive ends uh, guys like uh I name them Tyler Batty uh, Earl Tuioti Mariner out there at times you also had guys out there like John Nelson at points they were getting absolutely mauled on the edge and you have to keep that outside leverage and BYU I don't know what it is right now they have been awful about setting that edge is it laziness is it them being tired and just kind of going through the motions on that uh, it needs to be better they've got to be more focused or, or more there needs to be more focus on it and more attention to detail on that. If they continue to do this, yeah, Notre Dame better run the ball all night long and force BYU to f- prove they can stop it because Notre Dame's got much better athletes than Wyoming and Utah State have. And you better believe they're watching the schemes that both Utah State and Wyoming ran against BYU. They're even going back to that Oregon game, Baylor, etc., and saying, these guys are awful at setting up, setting the edge on the perimeter and just not able, we're, we're going to be able to outflank them. And if, if Utah State can do it, you better believe Notre Dame's going to believe they can do it. BYU's got to be better. They just need to have guys. You have to, it, it's hard. Trust me. I, 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 it's not an easy concept uh, to be that guy that's going to go out there and fight to keep that outside leverage because it requires a lot of discipline. You've got to be able to fight off a 300-pound offensive lineman trying to get you to where he wants you to go while at the same time keeping your uh, deal, keeping it, uh, keeping your ability to make a play there as well. It requires a a lot of energy, a lot of effort, and a lot of strength. And I know that doing that time after time after time wears a guy out. They've got to be better about it. They've been just, it, it, it's, it, 
It's unacceptable what BYU's doing right now. All right, uh, final couple of things. Uh, also, Jake Oldroyd, the kicking. Now, I'm a golfer. I've played golf since I was six years old, so I've been playing for nearly 30 years of my life. Uh, there's a thing called steering the ball where you want it to go, and it's something you don't want to do in golf. When you're not hitting the ball, uh, getting good contact on it, a lot of times, I, trust me, I do this all the time. I get to points in the season where my dad will look at me and says, hey, you're steering the ball. Get back to hitting the ball. And what he means by that is when, I, when I'm trying to hit a golf ball, I'm trying to like uh, kind of finesse it and send it to a spot that I'm trying to get it to. I feel like, and trust me, I'm no expert on this. I feel that's what Jake Oldroyd trying to do right now. He's not kicking the ball so much as he's trying to steer it to a point. And the problem is when you try and steer it, you're trying to manipulate it and manipulate your mechanics, both in my golf swing and with his kicking motion, and it's causing issues. The funny thing is his 45-yard field goal looked like the, the Jake Oldroyd we had known to come had we that we had come to know and love over the past few years. But then the 35 and the 33-yarder he missed later in the game. It looked like he was staring at once again. Even the field, even the PATs he kicked, they were going left, right, and and one of them went down the center. But they, he is trying to like he, he's not hitting the ball confidently right now. And no, I, 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 why would he be? He's hit, he's one of six in his last uh, six field goal attempts. It, it he's got to be inside his own head. And maybe at some point he pulls himself out of it. But BYU has to consider using another guy out there if this is how Jake's going to go about it. Like I said, he's trying to like manipulate the ball versus just kicking it with confidence and I don't know what you can do to get him out of that slump, but you need to do something. You got to maybe try somebody out. Give Justin Smith another, another look. Does Cash Peterman, is he actually ready to go? I don't know. Give them an opportunity to prove that they can be the guy until Jake Oldroyd can figure it out because the more you let him struggle, the more it seems like he's going to be more and more into his head and it may cost you at some point in a game upcoming that where you need a field goal and you don't necessarily have a reliable kicker. It, it, it changes your entire thought process with regards to strategy down the stretch in a football game. Uh, final thing here when it comes uh, to the to the ugly here is uh, Utah State. Their coaching staff, they were belly aching. Man, I've never seen a coaching staff just complain more and more and more. And the funny thing is, Blake Anderson comes on my radio station, comes on my radio show that I, I produce on a weekly basis, and he talked last week about, I need to have my guys talking about his coaching staff, not talk to the officials. Well, good job, coach. They talked to the officials all night long against BYU. That was ugly. I know that Anderson uh, took the 15-yard penalty uh, for that uh, uh, illegal touching play uh, in the first half there, and he was trying to get it. He, he had pretty much told the official, give it to me. I, I I want the 15-yard penalty, but they just continue to bark and ch- and chomp at the bit, and I, that stuff. It just it gets old, and that's the thing about that. It just felt like Utah State. They know this season is slipping away, and they're trying to do anything to get it back under control. And I think it filtered down to their players because I'm telling you that hit that Byron Vaughn's uh, put on uh, Jaron Hall that was straight up dirty. I I I don't care. He was trying to no. He was that was a dirty dirty play. And by the way, Jacob Boren is not completely accepted. I know that looked pretty bad. I actually think Jacob Boren his hit was more legitimate than what Byron Vaughn's did to Jaron Hall. That's just my personal opinion. I might be a homer in saying that, but uh, it's kind of the way I saw it in that game. All right, so there you go. Got through my good, the bad, and the ugly. I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts. Uh, if you guys have uh, comments, uh, concerns, retorts, whatever you got for me, send them in on the YouTube mentions, on the comment section below the YouTube video, or uh, DM us on Twitter, or just tweet at us. Locked on Cougars, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can send us all those different methods to reach out to us, or email us, lockedonbyu at gmail.com. We'll wrap up the show coming up here in just a minute. We do need to talk about what happened at other BYU sports over the weekend. We'll 
We'll get to all of that in mere moments. First, though, a word on our friends over at Bet Online. They are your number one source for your football betting information this season, my friends. Find all the latest player development, team matchups, news podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game that you can find out there, both in the pro and college ranks. As mentioned, Notre Dame, a two-and-a-half-point favorite to open over BYU at our, over with our friends at Bet Online. And as always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all of your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. It is the fastest and the easiest way to check in on all of your favorite games and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. The NBA preseason is underway. The Utah Jazz played yesterday, got absolutely run off the floor in the second half, but hey, that's what we're going for with the Utah Jazz. But once again, get to Bet Online, use your mobile device to learn more there as well right now. That's Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, before we go on today's show, let's catch up on all the other BYU sports that are in action over the weekend. The women's soccer team, after a two-week layoff, opened up West Coast Conference play in Moraga, California against St. Mary's. Uh, they ended up drawing nil-nil, 0-0 out there in Northern California. Uh, BYU, their one thing that it seems like this soccer team is lacking is consistent goal-scoring threats. And that was one of the big concerns coming off last year's run to the national championship is they graduated, I think it was like 60 or 70% of their goals uh, from a year ago. So obviously offense has been uh, lacking at times and it was lacking in that nil-nil draw at St. Mary's for BYU. They're going to be back in action Wednesday night when they return home for their West Coast Conference home opener against San Francisco. The Dons will be in town. That'll begin at 7 o'clock. It'll be on BYU TV. If you want to get out to Southfield, you probably can get tickets at BYUcougars.com right now. Now, the 15th-ranked BYU women's volleyball program had a very successful weekend in the Pacific Northwest. They opened up at Portland with a uh, 3-0 sweep of the pilots in the Child Center. Then on Saturday, went to Gonzaga. My old uh, friend Adrian Leiser is actually on the staff at Gonzaga. Any of you who are radio uh, listeners here in Utah know who Adrian is. Worked with me at the KSL Sports Zone for a number of years. He's actually now on staff at Gonzaga, helping out with their women's volleyball program. BYU got the win there, though, 3-1 over the Zags in Spokane. So BYU off to a great start in West Coast Conference play, a 2-0 start, 1-0 for the women's soccer program. Uh, the women's volleyball program is back in action this coming Thursday when they welcome Santa Clara to the Smith Fieldhouse. That'll be at 7 o'clock itself on BYU TV. So two fun nights, Wednesday and Thursday night, if you want to get out to the Marriott, uh, not the Marriott Center, that'll be the uh, Southfield for women's soccer on Wednesday night, and then the Smith Fieldhouse on Thursday night for women's volleyball. You can support the Cougars that way before you head down to Las Vegas, hopefully, and check that out. All right. That's going to do it for us. A big thank you once again for your continued support of the podcast. As always, you guys are the absolute best. Uh, I'm serious. I, I absolutely love doing this. Hope your general conference weekend was fantastic. By the way, 18 new temples, folks. And any of you who are uh, Mexico City uh, aficionados down there, to have four new temples in a city, uh, that's going that's absolutely crazy to me. But hey, the work rolls on, and that, that's a really cool thing. I, I love hearing about all the different temples around the world. I have some buddies that ha- have served missions in Tacoma, Washington, Jacksonville, Florida out there. Uh, big shout-outs to uh, both uh, Nick Lee as well as David Huckvale. I know that they were very, very excited about the Jacksonville Temple having served their missions down there in the south uh, in Jacksonville itself. So some really, really cool things. So hopefully your uh, General Conference weekend was, was fantastic out there. Uh, and obviously, thank you for making us your first listen of the day. 
want to encourage you guys to make sure you make your second listener friends over the Locked On Big 12 podcast. Josh Neighbors get you ready, uh, get you caught up on everything going on in the Big 12 conference. Check that out, free and available wherever you get your podcast, right here on YouTube, just like this show. That'll do it for us. Have a great rest of your Monday. We'll have a full recap of BYU's press conference tomorrow. Obviously, get ready for Notre Dame with the week ahead. It's crazy to think about. We're at the midway point of the season nearly, folks, but let's get ready for it. Sin City. Oh, by the way, um, if you're watching this and it's late in the show and you, it's before this announcement actually comes, uh, don't be surprised BYU is wearing black to counter the white of Notre Dame. That's all I'm going to say. All right, that'll do it for us. Have a great rest of your day. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast. See ya.